Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, may be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode 40 of Blackbird. We're, uh, we're getting so close to 50. Mm. It sounds, it sounds, Old. yes, it sounds like it's so close, but then when you think about it, that it's like actually 10 weeks away. That sounds like really far away, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, ten weeks is a long time. Ten weeks is a long time. It's over two months. In fact, it is. It is. I can do math and things. Anyway, today is Valentine's Day, so we want to wish a happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there, and make sure that you're giving love to yourself today, mainly because you're. Your self-love is the most important love. So you want to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Put on your own mask before helping others. Correct. All right. Really quickly, um, I just want to make a clarification from yesterday's Psyche Saturday. I misspoke when I said schizophreniform disorder is the one with the schizophrenia and mood disorder symptoms combined. Um that's actually schizoaffective disorder, not schizophreniform. So I apologize for any confusion with that. As I'm sure everybody out there realizes, it's kind of hard to keep track of all the schizophrenia spectrum disorders because they are so close in symptomology and in names. So of course, we can get a little confused ourselves, but I just wanted to make that little clarification in case it confused anybody out there. So there's that. All right. Well, I am your host, Sarah. And with me, as always, is my forever Valentine, Tan. Hello. He smiled when I said that. <laughs> I hope that everybody is um, planning to do something nice today for Valentine's Day, too. Whether that just be like relaxing at home or, you know, hopefully relaxing at home. Please don't go out. Yeah, don't go. <laughs> um, it's nice that it, Valentine's Day is today because tomorrow is President's Day and most people have off for President's Day. So it's kind of nice that we get this like kind of long weekend to just kind of give ourselves that time to to kind of recoup, especially after the the gear that we've had. I think we we need this time to really focus on ourselves. So. That's what today should be all about. So make sure that you are focusing on yourself and you are taking care of yourself and other loved ones. But stay home. You can take care of loved ones over the phone or Zoom or... Definitely. Whatever. Text. All, all, all the technology. You don't have to, like, be there. Yeah, it's 2021. Why go anywhere? Yeah. Especially... Work from home. You can socialize from home. Yeah, and if you live in the Northeast... It's like snowy yeah, and cold. cold like and you don't want to be icy. outside. Just just stay home. Yeah. Stay home forever. Pretty much. <laughs> don't ever go outside ever again. That'll keep you the safest. Yeah. <laughs> you just never leave your house. Yeah. All right. Today's special Valentine's Day episode will be a little different. We will be discussing a film review of Emerald Fennel's Promising Young Woman starring Carrie Mulligan. But 
Before we get into the film review, we have a quick update to share about the Zephy Trevino case. If you haven't already, please go and listen to episode 37 for the background of Zephy's story. But we'll give a little bit just to give you a reminder. Zephy was 16 years old when the man she says was trafficking her shot and killed a man who Zephy was to perform sex acts on. So one of her Johns essentially was shot and killed by her trafficker. Even though Zephy herself was not the person to have pulled the trigger and her trafficker admitted that he was, the DA arrested and charged Zephy with murder. And even though Zephy was 16 at the time of the incident, the DA wanted to try her as an adult. She had her hearing this past Friday. It was supposed to be in January and it pushed back, probably because of COVID. But this past Friday, February 12th, they decided whether she would be indeed tried as an adult or if she would remain as a minor in this case. And in a complete miscarriage of justice, the judge decided she will be tried as an adult, which means she is charged with capital murder, which could bring a life sentence if she's convicted. It's ridiculous. So you're just not allowed to defend yourself. Nope. You're supposed to just let horrible things happen to you in this world. Yep. And that's it. It's all that happens. What a terrible, what a terrible message that is to set. It, what an absolutely terrible message. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, her family has a, uh, has an Instagram uh, page for her. And they posted pictures of her, you know, of the family with her before the hearing. And they looked so hopeful. They were all hugging and, and you know, taking pictures. And she was smiling. And it just, they were really, really... Uh, as most of us were hoping that she would not be found to be tried as an adult. And unfortunately she, she is, she was 16 at the time of the, of the shooting. She didn't kill the man. The only thing that she did in that regard was text the person to come to wherever they were to the apartment that's it. So now she's tried as an adult for that and could possibly spend the rest of her life in prison, even though this was not a crime she committed. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's sad. It's the broken justice system that we are all subject to. Yep could happen to any one of us. It really and could. there's just nothing you can do about it. It really could. Oh, we have to fix so many things. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. So be careful. <laughs> like, I don't even Stay know. Stay inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's very little that can go wrong inside. And there are still things that can go wrong inside. So, But at least all you have to deal with is those things. Yeah. Ugh. All right. So... Of course, we will keep you updated on what goes on with that. You know, when the trial date is set, we will we'll let you know and, and however the trial 
progresses, we will bring all of that news to you guys. But uh, that's the latest in that saga. So it's time to get into the film review. All right. So this episode will contain tons of spoilers. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's a film review, so. Right. We shouldn't have to say that, but just say it anyway. We have to say like. it, you know. Um, so if you haven't seen Promising Young Woman yet, um, and you don't want to know what happens, shut this off. Rent Promising Young Woman. It's on demand right now. You can pretty much watch it on any of the platforms. And then come back. Yeah, and you should, because, man, is it a good movie. Oh, it's so good. It's such a good movie. I mean, that's pretty much what we're going to say through this whole film review. Yeah. But, like, we're going to, you know, we're going to get into the depth of the movie. So, yeah, if you don't want to hear <laughs> the stuff that happens, then go watch it and then come back. If you don't care about spoilers, then just keep listening. But you yeah. should see the movie anyway. And it's good because, again, having given 47 spoiler alerts already... It has the bittersweet ending. You know, it doesn't have the happy, happy ending. Yeah. It doesn't have an awful, horrible, dark ending, but it has that bittersweet ending. Yes. And it that's life. Right. And exactly. Life doesn't always work out great. Right. You know? And yep, we're gonna we're gonna get into all so. of that. Absolutely. Yes. I loved the ending. Yeah. I, I'm I'm Yeah. And the thing about it is because it was that bittersweet ending. It was bittersweet for me. Like, part of yes. me was like, no, why yes. did that have to happen? Right. But that's probably what would have happened. And right. it's funny because that's kind of what I was expecting to happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Promising Young Woman, starring Carrie Mulligan, is a powerful and poignant film about rape culture, obsession, addiction, and the needless pursuit for justice. So let's begin by talking about the actual plot of the movie. Emerald Fennell's writing was superb. She captured every single thing that is wrong with rape culture and every single thing that people disregard. While it is a revenge film, it is so much more than that. It is an absolute commentary on society. And one thing I want to point out is while Emerald's script adds in, like, every cliche that is ever said in, you know, the rape culture world, like, oh, well, you know, she was drunk and, uh, you know, things like that. She peppered it in in such a brilliant way. It was it was written so well that, like, it wasn't a moment where you rolled your eyes like, oh, the person just said the cliche, you know, it really, it was necessary in those particular scenes, in those particular moments. And it, it's, it was truth. It's what you would expect in those moments, unfortunately. And I hate to say that you would expect it, but in, in this type of world, in this society, you do kind of unfortunately expect some of those things to be coming out of people's mouths, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it wasn't over caricaturized. No. Um, in one direction or the other. Uh, you know, like the guys weren't typical total asshole, you know, frat bros. They were like normal guys, 
you know, acting kind of stupid when they're drunk at the club, but everyone kind of does. Right. But, you know, they weren't evil. You know what I mean? They didn't look like evil men right. doing this. Right. They just looked like regular guys who don't understand what rights are. Yes, exactly. So, you know, that was good. And I mean, it was, it was, there were times when it was obvious that you were watching a commentary, but most of the movie feels like a movie. You know, it feels like any other movie that you'd go to see that has a story that's written that's about the characters and their development more so than just being a social commentary. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why, and that's why I think it was so well written because you really were involved and invested in what was happening with the characters. Um, and so really quickly, the plot is, um, so Carrie Mulligan's character's best friend was sexually assaulted at a party while they were in medical school. And it was filmed. It was sent around to a bunch of people. Um, we never see the film, but we do hear parts of it. Um, we never meet the best friend. We only hear about her. We can assume, based on what is said, that she has committed suicide. Um, and Carrie's character wants to get revenge on all the people that served to not help or support her friend through her journey of having the trauma of being sexually assaulted up to the point where she unfortunately had died by suicide. So she goes through the whole film finding these particular people in order to get that revenge on them. And it's so, it, it's so intelligent the way that she does that. And again, that's a testament to Emerald's writing the way that she puts these characters into place with one another and how she has them interacting with one another. And I think it's really smart also that we never actually meet the friend. We never see her. This, is a this isn't a story about the friend. This is a story about Carrie Mulligan's character's obsession and addiction with getting this revenge for her friend. Right. And, and also, it's important that you don't see the friend because you're the friend. The friend could be anyone. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, like in when you write a script for anything or you write a story, you know, you write a book, whatever it is, any piece of fiction, the reader is supposed to identify with the character. And that might be the main character or it might not be. But the reader is always supposed to identify with some character because that's how you pull them in and develop this world that they can imagine themselves in. In Promising Young Woman, you are supposed to identify with the friend. Because for the most part, the woman is, uh, the woman, the movie is targeting women, young women who maybe have experienced this, maybe have experienced something to a lesser degree, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to men. It can happen to straight people, gay people. It can happen to anyone. Right. Um, so obviously it's easier to identify this if you're a young woman who has experienced sexual assault, but it can, it, it can be anyone who can identify. But again, you're supposed to identify with the friend. So if they, if they, if you meet the friend, 
the friend is now a character that you know who they are. But not meeting the friend means that you're the friend. Right. Uh, and that's a really intelligent choice because it allows you to imagine this all happening in your world. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you put yourself in the shoes of the friend whose name is uh, Nina. Um, and it, it allows you to understand exactly, like, possibly what this could have been like for somebody in that situation. Um, and I keep saying Carrie Mulligan's character, her name, the character's name is Cassandra. So Cassie. So we're just, we're going to continue with, um, talking about her as Cassie. So she is obsessed and you can see that from the beginning of the movie. She has this sickness, essentially, with trying to avenge what has happened to her her best friend. She drops out of medical school because the medical school itself um, didn't do anything to help support Nina when she came forward with the allegation that she was sexually assaulted. And again, the fact that there was a, uh, a, a, a recording of it that people saw Right, like everyone saw it. it like went viral. Right. So like and people, everyone saw it. And people were there when it happened. Right. And you can hear them in the video. So for them to say, uh, no, we don't think that happened is is absolute bullshit. Um, but again, it is a part of what actually happens in in real cases of this. Um she was essentially unconscious. She was she was drunk. Um, so she could not consent. And that's what constitutes the rape. But because it was a party and everyone was drinking, it was kind of that thing of, oh, well, you know, what do you expect is going to happen when you're all drinking at a, at a frat party, essentially? And that's the point. It's this, it's the commentary on this whole thing of, well, what do you expect? And again, we've said this before, but... Nobody should expect to be raped when they go to a party. That's just... Right. <laughs> right. I, I have gone out and gotten wasted with my friends a lot and never been raped. Yeah. And, and it's not like I'm like, whew, got lucky that that never happened right. to me. I would never in a million years expect it to happen to me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I blacked out once with a friend of mine mm. who I later found out was gay. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He could have done all kinds of shit to me. Yep. But it never occurred to me in a million years that he would. Because right. no one does. No right. one actually expects that to happen. No. And you shouldn't expect that no. to happen. No. That's not how life works. That's you should not how life works. to go to a party and have fun. Right. You shouldn't expect to go to a party and be sexually assaulted. Right. So, let's talk about the cast. Because I think that's a really, that's another really important part of it. Because everyone, I think, played their roles perfectly. We really got a sense of who everyone was. And some of the characters we didn't really meet for long. Yet we we knew who they were. And I think that that's a testament to, again, the writing as well as the casting. And I think when when you cast somebody who is, who embodies that role when they get into it 
you already know who that person is. Like when when you're looking at them on screen and they're just so exuding that it's just it's it's their ability to become that character that really makes you want to be drawn in and 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 hold you to watch that. So first and foremost, Carrie Mulligan just I mean She's nominated for like a ton of awards for this, which is completely, completely warranted. <laughs> she was incredible in in this role. And she, while she has this this sickness and this addiction to to doing this, you don't see her being a crazy person mm -hmm. you don't see right. you see her being a normal person which is a, one of the things that we try to get through to you guys especially on psyche saturdays is that people who have mental illness are not always just looking crazy and they're not right. always outside talking to themselves on the corner drinking a 40 like right. they're normal people they just have something abnormal going on inside their psyche right and when this happened to to Nina, Cassie broke. Right. And when she broke, her life became, I'm getting revenge. Yeah. I'm seeking revenge on all of these people. And she knew that she, at that point, had forfeited the rest of her life. Yeah. And she was fine with it. And, you know, other people look at her and they're like, I don't understand. Right. Do you not do you not understand what you're doing to yourself? And she she doesn't come flat out and say it, but she basically says like, you know, I get it. I should be a, a successful doctor right now, with a big house and 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 a and a husband and kids and the nice car and the nice front lawn and the landscapers and all that shit. Right. I, I know that I gave that up. Yep. Thank you. That is the cost that I've paid. Yep. For this quest. Right. She understands fully, you know, even if other people don't. And that's another thing that ties into what you were just saying about how people who have mental illnesses, in some cases, they don't understand. But in some cases, they do know that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. They don't need you to explain it to them. Right. Yep. You know, now sometimes they do. And it's fine to have conversations, safe, carefully planned conversations with people. But if 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 you know someone who knows that there's something not quite right in their brain. They don't need you to point it out every 30 seconds. They understand. They understand that it's going to have a cost and they've chosen to go forward with their lives and live as the best as they can. Yep. And that's this decision that she's made here. She, she knows that she's obsessed and she knows that it's costing her her career and her future and her relationship with her parents and her relationships totally costing her any hope of a romantic relationship. She understands that those are the costs and she's willing to pay them. Yep. Absolutely. And with that, I, I want to talk about the stark difference between her relationship with her mother versus her relationship with her boss. Because her mother, who's who's played by Jennifer Coolidge, is <laughs> quite rude <laughs> to her. Um, she is one of those people that's, you know, you were such a promising young woman. What happened to you? You know, they they get her the birthday present um, 
her parents get her the birthday present of a uh, suitcase. a suitcase so that she can move out of the house because they're tired of her living there and, and working at this this coffee shop and not doing anything with her life. Meanwhile, Cassie is like, no, I am doing something with my life. I am helping my friend who who needed this help back then. So her mom is so <laughs> inconsiderate of the fact that her daughter is going through such trauma. Yeah, because her mom subscribes to that vision that most white people have, which is that, you know, you're a man, you go to college, you get a good job, you get a, a, a wife to stay at home and clean your house and cook you dinner and you have your kids and then they go off to be successful just like that. And if you're a woman, maybe you go to college and get a job. Maybe you don't, and that's fine. You just put on a skirt and get in the kitchen. But if you want to go to college and become a doctor, that's even better. But you're still supposed to get a job, get a husband, have kids, work for 30 years, retire to Florida, and that's it. And there are so many white people in the United States who that that's it. And, and they just don't understand that there's any other ambitions in life to do anything else. Right. Um... You know, and, and I mean, there are there are examples, you know, for example, like being a gamer professionally, like 20 or 30 years ago, that was no such thing. If you played video games, you were just a loser. And if you played video games past 16 years old, oh, that's it. We failed as parents. Yes. Well, guess what? There are people who are literally making millions of dollars a year today off of their ability to play video games. And now people are like, oh, well, maybe that's a pathway. You know, you you see interviews with the parents of some of these guys and gals who are in their 20s, and they're literally rich yeah. from their ability to play video games. Yeah. And and in some cases, they're competitive. In some cases, they're not even phenomenally skilled, but they're they're good streamers. They have streams on Twitch and YouTube, and, and they make stupid amounts of money off of this. And now that's becoming this kind of acceptable thing but there was a time when like that was just weird yeah you know and if you were from a, a football town and you did anything other than play football something was wrong with you and if you were the parents of that child then oh, what did i do i must have done something wrong right little jimmy doesn't want to play football he wants to play with rockets right what kind of man what kind of american boy plays with rockets right you know yeah um and so it's the same thing here you know her mom just doesn't understand that cassie doesn't want that. She had that. She could have had that. She was doing well, from what I understand in the movie. She was doing very yes, well. Yes, she was school. doing very well. Mm-hmm. She chose yep. a different path, and her mom just can't get that through her head. And it's not even that she just doesn't understand. She doesn't want to understand. Her mom doesn't yeah. want to know why yeah. Cassie's doing what she does. She doesn't want to know the real reason Cassie's doing what she does. Um, she doesn't really know Cassie's doing the things that she's doing. Nobody knows what Cassie does at night. Um they all believe that she's just going to work and that's it. Cassie knows what Cassie's doing at night. But I, I, the difference between her personality and the way that she deals with Cassie versus Cassie's boss, who is Gail, who's played by Laverne Cox, is so stark. And Gail is the support that Cassie needs. And Gail is the voice of reason that Cassie needs. You know, she says to her in, in, in a different way, what are you doing? You know, you are so much better than working at this coffee shop. Should I, she even says to her, should I just fire you? 
Will that oh, kick yeah. you in the butt yeah. to go get get a better job? And she owns the coffee shop. So she could have she's right. saying, you know, this isn't a great job. Right. You know, you get paid minimum wage. You you just you sit around. You are so much better than this. You are so much more deserving than this. What is, you know, she but she really wants to know. Yeah. And she tries to put her in like a management program at some point. And Cassie, yeah, and Cassie's just like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. Because she understands that she has this potential. Right. Yeah. She you know. sees so much in her and, and she she wants to push her in the right direction in the right way. And Cassie just doesn't want to do it. And Gail knows that. Gail sees that and she doesn't try to push her um, the way that her mom does. Yeah, her mom by actually kicks her out. Gail doesn't actually the, fire her. Right, by getting her the suitcase. Um... Happy birthday, leave. Mm. So I, I just think, again, that's just perfect writing. Yeah. That we are able to see that stark difference between the person who's supposed to be supporting Cassie the most and the person who ends up actually being her support system. Who we wouldn't necessarily expect. You don't necessarily expect your boss to be your support system, you know, but um. Gail's character is just that kind of person. She's just, she's a very warm, accepting person. And she wants better things for Cassie because Cassie is deserving of the better things in life. So before we get into the character of Ryan, um, I want to talk about the pieces of how Cassie goes through to get the revenge she's seeking on each particular player. So the movie begins with um, her at a bar. She's completely wasted. She's sitting across the, the bar from this group of guys and she's just falling over and, you know, she's just, she's sitting, but she's falling. She's falling over in her seat. Um, you can tell that she is just not coherent. She is not at all aware of what's going on. And one of the guys played by Adam Brody, um, he approaches her and, you know, asks if she's okay. And she says, you know, I can't find my phone. Um, I, you know, I can't get home, essentially. So he's like, you know, um, I can call an Uber. You can come with me. Whatever. And it's important to understand about the scene, too, that he's with three other guys. And the three other guys are acting like D-Bags. Yes. And he's acting like a totally cool guy. Correct. Yep. So... You're thinking, oh, good. It's the, it's the nice guy. Right. And so he, you know, they get into the Uber together or whatever. And he decides middle of the Uber that he's actually going to take her to his apartment instead of her own apartment. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> we think he's a nice guy. And then it's kind of starting to turn. But... He's playing it off like he wants to make sure that she's staying safe because he doesn't know if when she gets to her apartment, she's going to be safe by herself. So exactly. He's playing so it like... So you walk her up. Right. Okay. So now we get to their apartment, uh, his apartment rather, and, you know, she's still 
drunk all over the place. Doesn't he pour her another shot or something? As soon as they get there, yeah. he makes cocktails for yes. them. He makes uh, some kind of Zambuca bullshit or something. Yeah, I don't know. Something. And something so gross. Like, I wouldn't even want to drink that. If I was, if I was already knew I had too much, like you could, you could get away with giving me a beer or something or a glass of white wine. Right. But he pours her some kind of like orange thing and I would be like, and I don't think she drinks it. I think she pretends to. I think she, she, I was just thinking about that. I don't remember if she maybe has a sip or two, which would be fine because that's not going to intoxicate you or if she pretends to. Right. Or if she just doesn't. Right. You know, I, I don't recall exactly. Yeah. But then there's a point where she ends up on his bed and he starts kissing her and she's again she's like out she's like practically asleep because she's so wasted and he i believe pulls down her underwear and starts to assault her and she snaps right out of it because she's not actually drunk She's pretending to be drunk and he freaks out and I believe he starts calling her crazy and, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing, which again, like all of the writing is just so smart. Like the way, the way that, again, Emerald sprinkles in these little things that we see all the time in this, in this kind of rape culture. It's just such intelligent timing that she places all of these And so he's calling her crazy, you know, whatever. And she's like, are you serious? Like, I'm, I'm drunk and you're taking advantage of me. Right. And that's what she does with every man she encounters. She goes out every single night to find another guy to do this to, to show them you are a dirtbag. You should and cannot do this to women. And <laughs> and so an, another area where the writing is really good, specifically in the believability, the realism of it, is I was really wanting her to just stab these guys to death oh, and make yes. them dead. Dan that, every time was like, is she going to kill him? <laughs> but that obviously would have been shit writing because you can't just commit a bunch of murders and get away with it. Right. Like that happens in movies all the time. But guess what? That's not what happens in real life. Right. If you stab someone to death and they don't go to work, the cops are going to go to the apartment gets forensic evidence, you're going to go to jail. Right. So the whole time I'm like, please kill these guys. Yes. And she doesn't. She no. just scares the shit out of them. She scares the and shit out of them. And that's smart writing. Because exactly. that's way more believable. It doesn't quite satisfy that bloodlust that we've right. got as monkeys, but it's real. It's believable. Right. There's another um, scene where she she really scares one of the guys, um, where she's leaving the bar with Sam Richardson's character. And she bumps into somebody, so she has to get into her sober mood. Um, and the guy is like, wait, you're not drunk? And she's like, she's like, no. And she's, of course, he's like calling her crazy and all that stuff again. And she says to him something like, there are a whole bunch of women like, just like me. And one of them is out there, uh, you know, with a pair of scissors or with a knife or something like that to, you know, cut off yeah, the penis. Um, so, you know, you better be careful. Right. And it's so, it's so incredible to see that moment because it's always telling your, we see in this, in this society, it's always telling the woman, be careful when you go out to a bar because you 
are probably going to get raped. Yeah. She's turning it on these guys and saying, you better be careful. (laughs) Exactly. You better be careful when you go to the bar because you don't know who you're taking home. That person might actually be crazy and cut off your penis. Yeah. And, And when he when he's leaving, he says, why do you have to ruin it for us? feminists yes why did why do we have to ruin rape for yep. you yep all rape should be ruined 100 percent of the time absolutely it shouldn't be a thing <laughs> it shouldn't be a thing exactly yes now there was a movie and i don't know if it has anything to do with this at all because i'm pretty <laughs> sure it was a terrible movie it was called teeth oh my god i don't know if that it just it just flashed in my head it just it just occurred to me i wonder if that movie had anything to do with this, and if it's maybe making a commentary. I, I don't know, because again, I'm pretty sure it was garbage. So Teeth was a garbage movie, but yes, it was a commentary on, on rape culture. Yes, it was. Maybe we should watch it. We could. We could absolutely watch it and do a <laughs> film review. You're absolutely... Yes, you're right. Um, That's funny. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. Um, So yeah, I just thought, again, just such smart, smart writing. Really smart writing. So that's how she's getting revenge on the men like the person who raped Nina. Then we move on to the prosecutor in Nina's rape case. (laughs) She, I believe that's Alfred Molina, who plays the the, um, attorney. So she she goes to his house um, and she has this hitman who's waiting outside um, to do some bodily harm to <laughs> to the prosecutor because the case was dismissed. Um, it never actually went to trial, which again happens so often. So she goes into his house and like immediately immediately this guy breaks down when he realizes who she is what she's there for and starts crying is like down on his knees like he's he is so overcome with emotion because of what happened in that entire case and he said to her that they were getting um the prosecutors were getting bonuses for dismissing cases um which happens um so he is incredibly remorseful for what happened. He did not intend for any of that to happen. And it was a job. It was his job. And that was what he was trying to explain to her. And that's a lot of what happens in the legal system. It's a systematic issue. It's not an issue with the particular people in these, I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes a defense attorney or a prosecutor are just garbage people. They're shit. But it's a it's a systematic failure because in this situation, they were giving bonuses to people just to, to throw cases away because it it then doesn't log up the the system and it just gets everything moving a little bit better. So he was saying to her, like, it's, it was my job. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. I didn't know this was going to happen. And you can tell that he really is genuine. Because, like, I'm pretty sure he, like, either, like, has a gun. 
that you that you know he intended to use on himself or he has like a bottle of pills or something like i forget what the details were but i remember distinctly getting the impression that this guy had very seriously considered suicide yeah i believe because you're he was so mentally destroyed from the he, evils that he had done yep and in that case in particular, yeah. that one yeah. haunted him. Yeah. And so she was like, great, my job here is done already. I don't even right. need to to get this this hitman um to do his his job. Um so she goes she goes out, she still pays the hitman, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta pay your hitman. You gotta pay your hitman. It's very important. Oh, don't ever hire a hitman, by the way. Oh, Hashtag no, not legal advice. No, but if you do If you find yourself having retained these people make sure you pay them yeah um and always ask up front if they're a cop um so <laughs> i can't tell you how many cases of like women wanting to kill their husbands yeah and they just don't ever ask and the hitman is actually a cop and yeah. then they get arrested but anyway i digress so that was that was her second piece of of this revenge puzzle her third piece is the dean the dean of the medical school and um this is played by connie uh britain Breton. i don't know how to pronounce her last name but i love her um so <laughs> what we what we don't realize at first is carrie's you know in the car she stops in front of a high school and she sees this girl who's talking to her friends and she uh she stops this girl and she starts talking about like this band that she's supposed to see because she's a she's pretending to be a makeup artist and she's got to go like work on this music video with this band. And she's asking for directions to uh, the location for this this video shoot. And the girl is saying, oh, my God, you know, I love that band, blah, blah, blah. I can tell you how to get there. You know what? I can show you how to get there. And so Carrie Mulligan, Cassie is like, yeah, show me how to get there. And at this point, we don't know what this is. And, you know, in in my head, I'm like, what is she doing with this young girl? Like, what is her end game here? Because this whole time we're like, is she going to be violent? Right. Like, and because you're because you're wondering, again, the movie is is written to be very believable and very realistic. So she is not an angel. Right. Nor is she a devil. Correct. So you're wondering the whole time, is the other shoe going to drop and is she going to start doing violence? Is she going right. to become a bad person? Right. So, yeah, like Sarah's saying, you're wondering what her plans are. Yeah, because you don't know who this girl is. You don't know what the the point of this is. And um, so the girl gets in the car and they, they drive off. Next scene is Cassie at the dean's office. And she goes in to talk to the dean of the medical school. And this is the medical school that she had dropped out of, the medical school where Nina was raped. And she goes in and, and she starts talking about, you know, I want to come back to medical school. And, you know, I had a, an epiphany and I really belong here. And, you know, bullshitting the dean and the dean is another one who's like, oh, yes, you know, your grades were wonderful. You really were a promising young woman. We would love to have you back. Can I ask why you left in the first place? And Cassie explains to her, you know, my friend Nina. And she says her full name. 
And she's kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, it's so devastating what happened to her. But she's talking about the suicide. She's not talking about the rape. And Cassie is like, you know, <laughs> she was raped here. And that's what led to her not being here any longer. And that's what led to me not being here in this school. Yet nothing was done to the guy who raped her. They knew who the guy was. Nothing was done to him. He went on to become a doctor, become successful, have a wonderful life. He was getting married. Everything was working out for him. And the dean is is like, well, we have allegations like that against these young men all the time. We can't take them all seriously. Which is a ridiculous thing to say. Every allegation of a serious crime should be taken seriously. Right. So let's ruin her life because she was raped and nobody gives a shit about it. But let's allow the rapist to just continue down the road of success and let him get all of the benefits of life. Yeah. Brock Turner. Yeah. And so the way that... Cassie decides she's getting revenge on the Dean is that we find out that the teenager that she picked up is the Dean's daughter. And so she tells the Dean, I just dropped your daughter off in the same dorm room with a bunch of guys as the dorm room where Nina's assault took place. And the Dean, of course, you can see in her face, she's freaking out. And she's asking, what what room was that? What room is that? And Cassie's like, I can't believe you don't remember. You don't even remember what room. You don't remember anything in. about what happened to, to Nina at this this university. And that is, that's the important piece to take away from that scene. Is that it was so insignificant to the people that it didn't happen to. That nobody remembered what actually happened and where it happened and when it happened. And that's the point that Cassie was trying to get through to the Dean. That just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean that it's not significant for somebody. And in that case, it was incredibly significant for Nina. And as we see through the movie, it was incredibly significant for Cassie. So she's trying to get the point across to the dean that you you clearly don't want your daughter alone with boys of this age in this town, in this university, whatever. So why did you think that it was okay that what happened to Cassie, what happened to Nina in that room back then was not a significant issue and that that boy who raped her was a decent young man so she's trying to show her the hypocrisy right in that situation right which which she either doesn't understand which is which is toxic or fully understands and it doesn't matter to which is also toxic or fully understands and has chosen to ignore it which is a shit thing. Right. 
So that was that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the, yeah. in the movie. Uh, uh, the the dynamic between Carrie and 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 Connie is so good. Yeah. And so, just for the so record, good. I don't know if you already sta- said this. Yes. Uh, that she didn't actually leave the daughter. In the room. I did not. Right. Um. Yeah. She she <laughs> took her to like a coffee house, I think, where she claimed that the band or whatever was going to be. Yes. And just said, I don't know when they're going to get here, so just hang around for a while, and they'll be here, and it'll be awesome. Right. So the girl is just sitting safely at a coffee house in the middle of the day. Exactly. So it's it's you're trying you're so see- she she didn't do a horrible thing. Right. You're you're <laughs> seeing this the human side of her and you're seeing the humanity in her and you're seeing that she understands how significant this was to to nina she doesn't want others to have to go through that so right she's like i would never put somebody in a situation like that and it's disgusting that you even thought that i would right and with which is another little jab at her because it's like wait what kind of monster do you think i am yep. that i would allow something like that i to think happen? she even says that person who allowed this thing to happen yep and an, <sighs> it's another piece of brilliant writing right to yes. add that yeah. little exactly. detail in so yeah. good so the third piece of revenge um another one of my favorite parts um she she goes to lunch with um an old friend from from medical school who's played by allison brie um and i love seeing allison brie in in like you know mean girl uh characters i love it um so she goes to lunch with allison brie's character and she starts talking to her about what happened to nina and it, it, the scene alludes to Nina having possibly come to Allison Bree's character for support after it happened. And Allison's character not believing that it truly was rape and that it really was a significant thing. And like the Dean, it was so insignificant to her that she kind of just forgot about things. So... She gets completely wasted at lunch. Just wine bottle after wine bottle after wine bottle. And that's Cassie's goal. She wants her to get drunk just like Nina was. Then she she had hired another man to bring Alison Bree's character up to a room at the hotel in which this uh restaurant was in and make it look like something may have happened between the two of them because Allison's character is married and she's so drunk she has no idea what happened and so she comes to Cassie freaking out she's calling her texting her Cassie's not responding to her because Cassie's like This is what I want you to learn from what happened between you and Nina. Nina came to you and you couldn't give a shit less. Yeah. So guess what? You have no idea what happened that night. You were drunk and blacked out and you woke up with some random guy in your room and you don't know if you had sex with him. I couldn't give a shit less. We later find out nothing actually happened between them. She only paid the guy to take her up to the room. To make it look like something may have happened 
and that's it. Yeah, and, and she had the guy stay there and watch to make sure that she didn't, like, go wandering in the street and get sexually assaulted yeah, by some stranger or try to get her. in a car. Right. He actually, She actually made sure that this guy babysat her. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, we're seeing this divide of all of these, these horrible things that she's doing to people, but this, this humanity in her. Right. So as much as you you may be thinking like, good, I'm glad that that girl got assaulted up there. It's like, no, 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 that's not the point. The point is that we don't want that to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you wonder is, is Cassie going over the, the edge here? Is she going over the line here? But she's not. Right. Yep. She's staying focused on the message, which is that you cannot do things to people without permission. Right. Exactly. <laughs> anything. Anything. Anything you can't at put all. Bullets inside of people, or knives inside of people, or any part of yourself inside of people. Correct. Without their permission. Co- right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please don't put bullets inside of people yeah, without like their permission. Yeah. Like knives, theoretically, you could say like if you're having surgery done, and I, I mean, say with yes, their yes, doctor, please take the tumor out. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I don't think there's anywhere where it's legal to shoot people. Although back in the day you had you could have duels, and in war it's arguable that it's legal. But anyways, I digress. The point is you can't do stuff to people without their permission. Correct. So that was the point she was trying to get across to Allison Bree's character. Allison, days later, uh, the, her character remembers that there was this video. Um, Cassie did not know there was a video. But um, Allison's character brings it over. She says, I, you know, I don't want it. Take it, but never talk to me again. Because she's mad at her because of what she did to her. Right. Um, which is exactly what Cassie's anger towards Allison's character was for. And she's now having to come to terms with this and can't right off the bat. Right. And, and you know... That's not not that I'm giving her a pass on it, but that's understandable that if you've ever done a shit thing in your life and you kind of got away with it and you've spent years kind of pretending like, oh, okay, cool, everything was good. And then it's thrust into the light. It's difficult to deal with that. Yes. Especially right off the bat, right on the spot. So Alison Bree's character is really not. She just can't deal with it. She can't. She can't. Exactly. She's now being forced to deal emotionally with the wrong that she did. Correct. And so she's like, well, I can't see you again because that's clearly not going to help. Correct. So (laughs) we're going to backtrack a little bit because this is what's leading up to watching this video. We know who the guy is who raped Nina. They talk about him. They mention his name. We we don't see him yet. We do meet him eventually, but we don't see him yet. But we do know who he is. But a little bit into the movie, we start to see that Cassie is unwilling to really get into a an emotional relationship because she doesn't want to... She doesn't trust people. She doesn't trust men because of what happened to Nina and because of the things that she's doing with them, seeing what kind of garbage people they are. So she doesn't trust men. But she bumps into one of the guys that she went to medical school with, Ryan, who is played by Bo Burnham, I believe is that is how you pronounce his last name. So Ryan um, comes into the coffee shop. They they flirt a little bit, you know, and it's all cutesy. And he asks her out and she's like, no, um, no. Um, and then he comes back. 
and he's like, you know, I, 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 we can go out as friends. Like, it doesn't have to be anything serious. He's being so kind to her and she starts to see that he, he might be different than these other guys. And we're so hopeful for their relationship because we really want to see her happy. You, you, she's a good person and you know that she's deep down a good person and she's just, she's broken because of what happened to Nina. And you really want her to have happiness and to find a, a good life. And so they, they fall in love. They, they get together, they fall in love. They have these amazing moments together. You can't help but smile when you see them together their dynamic is is so great. Again, a testament to the acting and the chemistry between the actors. They just, they were so superb together in, in all of the scenes. Um, he's a pediatric surgeon, uh, you know, so her parents were happy that, <laughs> that he's a doctor and he can take her away out of their house and, you know, they can live this happy life together. So you, you start to think, okay, great. Like, are we going to have a happy ending? And then we watch or we hear her watching the video. And we hear Ryan in the video. He's not actively participating, but he is a bystander and he is not stopping anything that's going on. He's laughing about it. He's enjoying what's happening because everyone's drunk and they all think this is hilarious. And she's devastated because she really thought he was different. She thought he was a good person. Yeah, because look, I mean, I could understand if you're a young man at a party, at a frat party or whatever, and you see something like that and you know it's wrong. As much as I want to say, yeah, he should have gotten in there and punched everybody in the face. I can see in that situation thinking like, no, I, I'm not going to like fight six guys and win. But that doesn't mean that you have to be like, oh, ho, 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 that's crazy. That's all. Oh, I think he says awesome. I think he says the word awesome something or something like, like that. that. Yeah. You know, you know, at the very, very least to maintain a shred of dignity here, you need to be heard saying something like, that's fucked up, guys. Right. Or leave the room and... And, and, and snitch. Right. Try to <laughs> just... And and maybe support her after the fact. If you know that you can't intervene, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people can't or aren't willing to, and, you know, we really need to change that also. But, like, the fact that she reported it and nothing happened to the friend, like... He was good friends with this guy. He could have said something to the guy. He could have gone right. to the dean himself anonymously. Right. You know, right. he could have gone to Nina and said, you know, I was there. I'm, I'm here to support you. I, right. I know what happened and I want to be a witness for you. There right. were so many other opportunities that he could have taken and he didn't do any of those things. Any right. of them. Right. And so Cassie sees him as having been complicit in the whole ordeal. And so she believes that he's part of why Nina is no longer on this earth. And she is just, again, she's devastated. Right. It's about the worst thing at this point that could happen to her. Because she finally opened herself up, became vulnerable, allowed someone in her life, allowed herself to need someone else. 
Because part of her whole retreating into this crappy job and living in her, you know, childhood bedroom is the fact that you're not really depending on anything, really. I mean, yeah, she's depending on her parents not to sell the house, but but it's a safe place to her. Yes. She doesn't, she's not vulnerable. She doesn't depend on anyone. So when you get into a relationship, one of the things that you accept is that you're now dependent on this person. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's finally become vulnerable and become dependent on someone because she assumes that he can be counted on. And now she finds out, she finds this out. Exactly. So it, her world just comes crashing down for another, another time, it, you know, uh, and it has to do again with what happened to Nina. So it just drives her even further into this trauma and this, this breakdown and this obsession and this addiction, and we're going to keep calling it addic an addiction because it w it was an addiction. She was addicted to getting revenge for her best friend. So she now is at her wit's end and she wants to do something crazy. So she goes to Ryan's office. She shows him the video she tells him, I know exactly that this is you on this video. We are no longer together. I am disgusted by you. I want you to tell me where the bachelor party is for the guy who raped Nina. And if you don't, I will make sure that everyone on your email list, including your partners and anybody else who works with you at this healthcare office know that you were a part of this. And so he doesn't want to lose his job. And again, that's the only reason he's doing it. He gives her the information to go to this bachelor party. So she pretends that she's the stripper. She dresses up like a nurse. She goes into this bachelor party and... <laughs> She ends up drugging every single person there, <laughs> except the groom-to-be. So everyone else is passed out. And she brings the groom up to a room and she handcuffs him to the bed. And she's, you know, pretending that this is all her, her, her stripper act. And, and she's, you know, everything's so sexy and she's seducing him. And, you know, and he's, again, he's playing this, oh, but I'm getting married. I can't do anything with you. And, you know, so you're kind of like, wait, is he a good guy? Is he, is he the, the bastard who did the thing to Nina? Like, where are we? with this guy. So she has him handcuffed to the bed and she opens her little nurse kit and there are legit real scalpels inside this kit. And she decides that what she is going to do to him is make him remember Nina's name for the rest of his life. So he, she's going to carve Nina's name into his abdomen. And she gets on top of him. She, he's struggling to get free. She's about to, you know, carve it in and he breaks loose. And they fight and fight and fight and the scalpel goes flying and he ends up getting on top of her. She's struggling to get free and he's in such a rage. And this is where you see what a shit person he is. 
He gets into this rage and he just can't stop himself. And so he wants her to shut up and she's not. So he puts a pillow over her face and smothers her to death. And I can't even begin to tell you my and Dan's reactions <laughs> when that happened. Yeah. I was waiting for it to be like a dream sequence, but because this movie is very realistic, you know it's not going to be a dream sequence or something like that. And you're just like, that can't possibly have just happened. Like, what did I just see? Yep. I turned to Dan and I think I said to you, did did he just kill her? And you were like, uh... I yes, I think so. And and we were just like stunned that that was the turn that this movie took. And the crazy thing is, I remember thinking when she's walking up to this house like this is fucking risky biscuits. Like she could get killed here. And I'm in the back of my head I'm like, well they're not going to have that happen because that would be shitty writing. But in reality it's not shitty writing, it's excellent writing. Yes. But I'm thinking in the back of my mind like no, they wouldn't do that to us. They would piss so many people off and they would go give the movie shit reviews online. But this is the kind of script that's not written to get good reviews online. This is the kind of script that's written to make a point. Exactly. So I remember thinking, like, wow, that's dangerous. Like, I would not do that. And so when it happens, I'm like, holy shit. Yep. It did happen. Yep. So uh, <laughs> the morning comes and uh, his buddies all finally wake up from their, their you know, medicated stupor. And Max Greenfield comes upstairs, and uh, Max Greenfield is uh, Schmidt, Schmidt. From New Girl. Yes, <laughs> best. Um, he kind of played Schmidt again. I'm just he did kind of play Schmidt saying. again. I think he he probably pretty much always plays Schmidt. I love, I mean, I love Max Greenfield so much. <laughs> um, so he comes upstairs, and he's like, he's like, oh, you know what happened here? Like he's all like excited that the the stripper is still here, and she's in the bed, and like you know, right. He thinks that they had sex and, 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 uh, the, the, the groom to be is like, uh, no, I, I killed her. And at first he's like, no, come on. Like, she's probably just playing around and he's like, you know, hitting her. He's like, like all right, come on, sweetheart. Time yeah, to go. Let's and get he's up. Like, like he's tapping her. her. Yeah. Because at this point the pillow is still over her yes. face. So yep. he hits the pillow away and freaks out. And realizes she is indeed dead. So now, instead of calling the police like good people, they decide they're going to dispose of the body because, you know, they're garbage people. So they're in the middle of like the woods. They're in like some cabin in the middle of the woods. So they are able to uh, bring her out into like the middle of this I don't even know what you would consider it, a field of some sort. I don't even know. And they end up burning her. Um, and I guess it's the next day. We don't really know the time frame of when the wedding happens. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's that's the bachelor party. So traditionally speaking, right, it's it would the, be the day next before. Day, but you're yeah. assuming it's pretty close yeah. thereafter. So now now we're now we're in the ending of the movie. And. We're like, well, what the hell can happen now? Like, she's dead. Like, where do we go from here? So we're at the wedding. And they get married and, and you know, everything's lovely. And you're kind of, like, pissed off because, like, ew, he just killed this woman. And now he's, like, still getting away with everything. And you're thinking at this point, well, I was thinking at this point, that 
that's the that's going to be the point of the movie is that evil triumphs right because evil is stronger than good right and you're like okay i kind of get it because that's true right which sucks yes. but that's true <laughs> but you're still upset because you still you're watching a movie you still want a happy ending and at this point you've been given the worst possible ending and you're like as much as i'm a reasonable person and i and i don't expect a totally sweet happy ending this is a shit ending like i don't like this yeah exactly so at this point, Cassie's missing. Nobody knows where she is. And the police are now trying to find Cassie. And so, you know, they go to interview everybody and they interview Ryan and, and Ryan lies to them and says, no, I, I have no idea where she could possibly be, even though he knows that she had gone to um, the the cabin or whatever it was for this, this bachelor party. So... Again, you're kind of like, great, Ryan, being a, a douche again, where you had the opportunity to be telling the police something that could help this investigation and help find Cassie, and you couldn't care less. Great. So, so we're at the wedding, and after the ceremony happens, um, Ryan's phone is starting to... to ping like he's getting text messages and he sees that he's getting texts from cassie and it's something like you know you thought it was over um you know it, it's not over whatever and as he's getting these texts that are automated they're being sent on a schedule to him we hear sirens in the background so the police are approaching the the wedding and they get out of their vehicles and they arrest the groom for Cassie's murder. And you're so happy <laughs> that he's being arrested, but you're still kind of like, but like, why did she have to die? Right. So like, you're still in this weird position of... Am, am I, I happy am about I happy? this or not? Yeah, like I, I don't know where I should be on on the spectrum. Like, am I indifferent? I don't know. I don't know what I am. And uh, he's still getting these texts while while the groom is getting arrested, and Cassie's basically just saying to him, like, I'm I'm still screwing you over. I, I'm still doing this, and. We find out um, that the prosecutor from the case that she had gone to see earlier in the movie, uh, Alfred Molina's character, had gotten a letter from her, a package from her, and it was the video of the rape and a letter to him that said, if I go missing, show this to the police. This is where I will be this weekend. This is it. So we assume that's how they were able to find where she was and that she was dead here. And it's a little ambiguous. And that's kind of the point of the ending for, for the viewers is is you, it, it keeps you on your toes and you're kind of, it, it holds on to that conversation of, you know, what really transpired? How did they really find out that she was dead and that he was the one who killed her 
but to know how is also not the point of the movie. So while Dan was saying that you're you're kind of looking at the ending as, you know, oh, great, she got her revenge. He's he's getting getting arrested for her murder and, you know, whatever. While that's a happy moment, you're still kind of thinking her addiction and her obsession and her broken psyche led her down an awful path. She went into a downward spiral and it unfortunately put her in the position where she was murdered. And oftentimes we see movies with people who are addicted who come out of it. And it's a happy ending where, oh, great, they got the help that they need. And now, you know, everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to be all better. And Cassie never got the help that she needed. Never. Nina never got the help that she needed. That's the point of the movie. That all of these people need this support that's never there for them. Right. And and there were so many other opportunities. There's so many other people who had opportunities to get to this point where... And, and frankly, even for the groom, who's an asshole and a rapist... He's now going to jail for the rest of his life for murder. He didn't have to go to jail for the rest of his life for murder. He could have just gotten expelled from the school, lost his career, probably should have gone to jail for rape. But, I mean, he didn't... He's now... His life is over. He's now going to jail for murder. And, you know, uh, um, Schmidt, he's accessory. Yep. He's going to go to jail for a long time for accessory to murder. He didn't necessarily have to go to jail for the next 15 or 20 years. Yep. So even even the people who you think, yeah, those are bad guys and they deserve to get this punishment, like those, that's more collateral damage in, in addition to the fact that Nina's dead and Cassie's dead. Yep. And Cassie's parents are now going to have to suffer the fact that their daughter is dead. And, you know, Ryan's career is ruined. And again, he's a shit guy because he was there and he laughed about it, but... You know, there's that's more collateral damage. And this is all stuff that could have been prevented. Yep. You know, I mean, right off the bat, if the event had been prevented by by young men not being douchebags, yep. that would have prevented 100% of this. But even if just any of the people who knew that this was happening had spoken up earlier, so much more damage could have been prevented. Exactly. There were so many missed opportunities. Yeah. It's like we always talk about when when people have a mental disorder that ends that that ends up causing them to do violence. That violence could all have been prevented if if people had just spoken up, right, to prevent this in the first place. Like, why does it have to? Why does it have to end in a death? And a jail sentence. Exactly. Because there are so many people who want that. They want, oh yeah, the person died and now the other person goes to jail for the rest of their lives and, and that's your happy ending. Like, that's not a happy ending. Yep. It's not a happy ending. A happy ending is that none of the bad things happened in the first place. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so all, all through the movie, Cassie is trying to help these people understand what the devastating effects of Nina's rape and suicide were. Cassie is helping these people 
Whether you want to see it as help or not, I see it as help. She's letting these people know this can never happen again. You need to understand that you can't be this person anymore. No one gave that to Cassie. No one gave that to Cassie in the way that she needed it. Gail was the only one who was close. But Cassie also just wasn't ready. And obviously she never would have been ready because it ultimately ended in her in her death. She was so addicted to this high of creating these storms everywhere she went to teach people lessons. And she never got that. She never was ready for that for herself. And I just, I think that every scene in that movie was important and was necessary for the movie. I felt like it was so fast moving, even though there was so much content. Like you, you were, I was never bored watching right. any part of it. Everything made sense to the story. Everything was needed for the progression of the story. And it just, it, there were so many times where like my mouth would just drop open because I was like, yeah. did that person seriously just say that? Or did that just happen? There were so many little twists and turns and it just, Emerald is a phenomenal writer. She really, really is. And she's also been nominated for a bunch of awards. Um, rightly so. But I, I, I wanna I wanna talk about a little bit too, just like the the cinematography of the movie. And that played an important role in the movie as well. The colors in the movie. Because it's such a it's a dark comedy. And so with a dark comedy, you're not expecting these bright, beautiful colors and this, these scenes that seem so innocent and childlike because of the, the colors. I mean, it's, you know, these pastels and these bright pinks and, and yellows everywhere. And it just, it shows you almost the innocence while also showing and exposing the explosion of what's happening. You have these bursts of color, but there are these soft colors, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the color palette, I feel like, is is like another character in the movie. It really, it helps to to, to narrate the movie and, and just, it keeps you... really drawn in yeah so that's pretty much what what i wanted to talk about uh with this movie and i again i just i really hope that everybody can go and see it 
watch it on demand. Um, it, it's it's an important film and it's an entertaining film and it's just it's a brilliant film. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, you you know you're watching a commentary, but it's also just a movie. You know, it's it's a movie that, like Sarah said, the pacing is nice. It's not like they're just drilling this message into your head. Like, it, yes, there's a message, and it's very important that you get that message, but it's not like it's just being bombarded with this constantly, and it's not, like, kitschy and campy. And, and like I said, they really stay on this line of believability, where a lot of times it feels bittersweet. Like I said, I always wanted her to be stabbing the guys, but, like, that's just not realistic. You know, and I want her at the end to overpower the the groom and and win the day and, and ride off victoriously into the sunset. But even before she even stepped foot in the cabin, the thought was in the back of my mind, like, this is probably, in real life, this probably ends badly. And it did end badly. And so, again, it's, it's just a lot of bittersweet moments. And so if you're, you know, if you're looking for a feel-good movie, this isn't it. No. <laughs> but, but if all you're ever looking is feel-good then don't go outside because the world is not 100% feel good. And that's not to say that the world is 100% darkness either. There's plenty of wonderful things in life, but there are also things in life that suck. Yeah. And it's important that you have realistic expectations. And this movie really does a good job of that. Yeah. It, it, you know, it sets your expectations and it, and it caters to those expectations if you are realistic about it. Definitely. And it's just, it's a really well told story. Um, it's 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 the right ending. It's the right pacing. It's yeah. just it's really good. We had a tough time with the ending for a little while. And then we talked it out and we we realized what the ending was. And and that's when we realized no actually this was the perfect ending. And and you know, she was she was dead already. She was dead the day Nina committed suicide. So, you know, the way that it ended was just her as a ghost yeah. on a mission. Yeah. You know how they say, ghosts aren't real, by the way. You know how they say that ghosts are there? Ghosts are real. <laughs> ghosts exist because it's a soul that has work to do or whatever. And so that's what Cassie was at the end of this, well, at the entirety of this movie. Yeah. She was a ghost. She was already dead. Yep. She died the day Nina died and she was just here to do that mission. And to see that justice got done. And that's why it would be awesome in the world if ghosts were a thing. And there really were doing justice that needed to be done. I mean, I want them to do justice, but <sighs> they are real. I'm just... So, yeah, um, I think that's that's a perfect way to, to put it. Definitely. All right. Um, if you or anyone you know has been sexually assaulted, you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. You can go to rain.org, which is R-A-I-N-N.org. And if you or someone you know would like to share your story on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com or you can get to us on our Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy. You can also find us on our bite size, not our link tree anymore, our bite size. So B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash blackbirdadvocacy. And um, 
Of course, you can find us on every podcast platform. And we hope that you watched this movie, Promising Young Woman. Tell us your thoughts. We want to know what you guys thought about it. Um, it. Did you agree with with our with our review of it? Did you think it was a horrible movie? If you thought it was a horrible movie, um, maybe mm. watch it again. Uh, <laughs> but no, for real, uh, we do. We want to know. We want to know your thoughts on the movie, and um, we hope that you liked our film review. And we hope that you like when we do these kinds of episodes because we really enjoy doing these episodes. And uh, we have fun watching the movies and we have fun uh, talking about what we think of them, uh, especially, obviously, when they pertain to the topics that we discuss on Blackbird. Um, stay tuned at our uh, PodVCom Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash groups slash PodVCom, P-O-D-V-C-O-M-M, for our live virtual podcast convention March 12th through 14th and 19th through 21st. Dan and I will be doing a live Blackbird. We'll also be bringing a bunch of panels and contests and all that fun stuff. So if you actually want to join one of the contests, um, or if you're a podcaster and you want to join one of the panels, go to facebook.com slash groups slash podvcom and you can sign up for a panel or a contest and you can win some prizes. We have a fun true crime scavenger hunt. Um, and we also have a uh, Tell Me a Story, which is hosted by the Ripple Podcasts, Rosa and Angela. And it is a contest of uh, contestants telling stories and tales about their states or towns, something maybe creepy or weird that happened in their town. And then the viewers are going to vote on what is the best story. And then you get to win something. So... Anything else you want to say? Oh, yeah. I think I said a lot. Cool. We're at an hour and a half, so I think we should stop. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You guys will uh, hear from us again next week with an all-new Psyche Saturday and an all-new Blackbird. Stay safe, be aware of your surroundings, and continue to social distance, even if you can't. Yeah. Do it anyway. Just do it anyway. Thanks. See ya. everyone i am nick and i'm russ and if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well informed highly educated and safe to share with your whole family that's not us nope it's not but here at the nick and russ don't know anything podcast we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it that we do new episodes every wednesday and saturday check us out at nickandrust.com and find us on apple spotify iHeartRadio, and many more including youtube thank you and i love you all Mwah! We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky, make it a double.